Book four, chapter four of a family of noblemen by Mikhail Saltikov Shedrin, translated by Avram Yarmolinsky, eighteen ninety to nineteen seventy five. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Book four, the good little niece, chapter four. Aninka spent a restless night. The hysterical mood that had overtaken her at Pogorelka still persisted. There are moments when a person who has been merely existing suddenly realizes that there is a vile ulcer of some kind festering in his life. Where it came from, how it formed itself, one cannot always explain to oneself. In most cases it is not ascribed to the causes that have really brought it on. But an explanation is not even needed. It is sufficient that such an ulcer exists the effects of such a sudden discovery while equally painful to everyone vary in their practical results with the individual's temperament some are rejuvenated and inspired with the determination to begin a new life on new foundations others feel but a passing pain that will not bring a profound change for the better but is even sharper than when the disturbed conscience sees the faint hope of a brighter future aninka was not of those in whom the consciousness of ulcers produces the impulse to rejuvenation nevertheless she realized being an intelligent person that there was an abyss between the vague dreams of honest toil which had impelled her to leave pogorelka forever and her position of provincial actress instead of a life of quiet and toil she had fallen upon a stormy existence filled with perpetual debauchery shameless obscenity and cynicism with vain and everlasting bustle instead of the privations and stern surroundings in which she had once lived she had met comparative ease and comfort she could not think of it now without a blush of shame she had hardly noticed the gradual transformation she had wanted to go to a good place but had entered the wrong door her desires had been very modest indeed how often she had dreamed in the attic of pogorelka of becoming an earnest girl working thirsting for education bearing hardships with fortitude all for the sake of the good it is true good hardly had definite meaning to her but as soon as she had stepped out onto the high road of independent activity bitter reality had shattered her dreams at once an honest livelihood does not come of itself but is attained only by persistent search and previous training which help in the quest to some extent but neither aninka's temperament nor education provided her with this her temperament was not marked by passion it was simply sensitive the material that her education had given her and on which she meant to build up her life of honest toil was so unreliable and poor that it could hardly serve as a basis for serious work her education was of the boarding-school music-hall kind with the balance tipping to the side of the music-hall it was of a chaotic heap in which problems were piled up about a flock of geese dancing steps with a shawl the sermons of peter of picardy the exploits of fair helen the ode to felitza and the prescribed feeling of gratitude to the instructors and patrons of the institution what was left clear of this chaotic jumble in her soul might quite properly be called a tabula rasa there was scarcely a thing to be read in it it certainly offered no possibility of finding a starting-point in her for better things 
whatever preparation she had had inspired not love for work but love for a society life the desire to be surrounded by admirers and listen to their flattery the desire to plunge into the social din glamour and whirlwind if she had listened to herself she would have discovered that even in pogorelka when just beginning to make plans for a life of honest toil as a deliverance from egyptian bondage she could have caught herself dreaming not so much of work as of being surrounded by a society of congenial people frittering her time away in empty talk of course the people of her dreams were clever and their conversation was honest and serious but the idle side of life was always in the foreground poverty was distinguished by neatness privations amounted merely to a lack of luxuries so when her dreams of a life of work came to a head and she was offered a part in one of the provincial theatres she hesitated little though the contrast between dream and reality was great she hastily freshened up her school information about the relations of helen and menelaus supplemented it by some biographical details from the life of the splendid prince of taurus and decided that that was quite sufficient to produce fair helen and episodes from the life of the duchess of Harrelstein in the provincial theatres and at the fairs to clear her conscience she recalled the words of a student she had met in moscow who used to exclaim repeatedly sacred art she made this her slogan because it was the easiest way out and gave at least outward decorum to the path she had chosen the path toward which the whole of her being was instinctively tending the life of an actress upset her alone without the guidance of proper preparation without a conscious aim with only a temperament craving for din glamour and applause she soon found herself surrounded by a chaos in which many persons thronged some coming others going without apparent order or connection there were people of the most diverse characters and views so that the motives for becoming intimate with this one or that one were not the same nevertheless they were all integral parts of her circle so that there really could be no question of motives her life had become like the gate to an inn at which every gay wealthy young man could knock and claim entrance clearly it was not a matter of selecting a congenial company but of fitting into any kind of company so as not to die of ennui her sacred art had really thrown her into a mire but her head was turned and she did not notice her position neither the dirty faces of the porters nor the slimy dilapidated stage properties nor the din stench and noise of the hotels and inns nor the obscene behaviour of her admirers none of these things produced a sobering effect she did not even notice that she was always in the society of men only and that there was a permanent barrier between her and the women of established position the visit to golovliovo sobered her for a moment in the morning almost immediately after her arrival she began to feel uneasy highly impressionable she quickly absorbed new sensations and quickly adapted herself to new situations consequently as soon as she reached golovliovo she felt herself a lady she suddenly recalled that she had something of her own her own home her own graves she became filled with a desire to see herself in her former surroundings to breathe the air from which she had only recently fled but her impression was immediately dispelled by contact with the reality she found there her experience in this was like that of a person who enters with a smile among friends he has not seen for a long time 
and suddenly notices that everybody responds to his cordial greetings coldly the nasty glances yudushka cast at her figure reminded her that her position was questionable and not easy to change when she remained alone after the naive questions of the pogorelka servants after the pious sighings of warning of the pogorelka priest and his wife after the fresh sermons of yudushka when she examined her impressions of the day at leisure she became convinced that the former lady was gone forever and that from now on she was only an actress in a miserable provincial theatre and the position of a russian actress was not far removed from that of a street woman until now she had lived as if in a dream she would go out half naked in fair helen would appear intoxicated in pericola would sing all sorts of indecencies in the episodes from the life of the duchess of herolstein and would even regret that it was not the custom to represent la chose and l'amour on the stage imagining how enticingly her hips would quiver and how alluring her every movement would be but it had never occurred to her to give earnest thought to what she was doing she had only tried to make everything appear charming and chic and at the same time pleased the army officers of the town regiment but what it all meant and what the sensation was that her quivering hips produced in the army officers she did not consider the army officers were the element that set the tone for the town and she realized that her success depended upon them they would intrude behind the scenes would unceremoniously knock at the door of her dressing-room when she was yet half clad would address her in endearing terms and she looked upon it all as a simple formality an inevitable feature incidental to her profession all she asked herself was whether she rendered a feature charmingly or not until now she had not thought of her body or her soul as being public but for a moment feeling herself a lady again she looked on her past in utter disgust and abhorrence as if she had been stripped naked and were being exposed on the public square as if all those vile creatures infected with the odors of wine and the stable had suddenly gripped her in their embrace as her body felt the contact of hands moist with perspiration of slabbery lips and the dull greedy brutal eyes that lingered animal-like over the curved lines of her nude body where was she to go how was she to throw off that accumulated load which began to leave its mark on her shoulders the question tossed in her head desperately tossed indeed for she neither found nor as a matter of fact sought an answer this stay in golovliovo too was a kind of dream her past life had been a dream and her present awakening was a dream something had made the little girl ill at ease and she had become sentimental that was all it would pass there are pleasant moments and there are unpleasant ones that is how they go both merely glide past but do not alter the course of life once determined upon to give life a new course to divert its channel one needs not only moral but also physical courage it is almost the same as suicide before attempting suicide a man may denounce his life he may be certain that death is the only salvation yet the weapon of death trembles in his hands the knife slides harmlessly over the neck the bullet instead of striking the forehead hits lower and only cripples that is what happened in aninka's case she had to kill her former life but though killing it she herself had to remain alive the nothingness that in regular suicide is attained by merely pressing the trigger 
was to be attained in the peculiar suicide called rejuvenation only after many stern almost ascetic efforts a pampered person already undermined by the habit of easy living will turn dizzy at the mere perspective of a rejuvenation he instinctively turns his head away and shuts his eyes then filled with shame and accusing himself of lack of courage he will take the easy way again oh the life of toil is a glorious thing yet none but strong people can live it and those who are destined for it because of original sin they are the only ones it does not frighten the former because they realize the significance and resources of toil and can find pleasure in it the latter because to them toil is first a duty then a habit aninka did not think of remaining at golovliovo or pogorelka for even a moment in this she was fortified by the business routine of her circumstances to which she clung instinctively she had been given leave of absence and had arranged her schedule ahead of time even designating the day on which she was to leave golovliovo for people of weak wills the external checks upon their life considerably lighten its burdens in difficult cases they cling to them instinctively and use them as a justification for their act aninka decided to leave golovliovo as soon as possible and if uncle persisted in his coaxing to counter him by invoking the necessity of reporting for duty on the set date when she arose in the morning she walked leisurely through all the rooms of the vast golovliovo mansion she found them dreary uninviting deserted there was an air of decay and haunting unfriendliness about them the thought of living there indefinitely quite frightened her never she kept repeating in a state of inexplicable agitation never end of book four chapter four recording by expatriate in bangor maine